Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church, located in Newberry, Florida, where Rocky McKinley is our lead pastor. Thanks for tuning in. Here's today's message. Last week, we began a brand new series called Little is Much. It's going to lead us into our 10-year anniversary service. And I told you last week that God loves impossible odds. We looked at Judges chapter 6 and 7, where Gideon starts with 32,000 men, and God dwindles that number down to 300. Drastically outnumbered, uh, Gideon's army didn't seem to have a fighting chance at all. But, but God delivered them against their enemy, and they didn't even have to raise a sword. And I told you last week that impossible odds set the stage for amazing miracles. The following letter was found in a baking powder can that was wired to the handle of an old pump that offered the only hope of drinking water on a very long and seldom used trail across Nevada's desert. Uh, and the note read, this pump is all right as of June 1932. I put a new sucker washer into it and it ought to last five years. But the washer dries out and the pump has got to be primed. Under the white rock, I buried a bottle of water out of the sun and corked it with cork in up. There's enough water in it to prime the pump, but not if you drink some first. Pour about one-fourth and let her soak to wet the leather. Then pour in the rest and pump like crazy. You'll get water. The well has never run dry. Have faith. When you get watered up, fill the bottle and put it back like you found it for the next feller. Signed, Desert Pete. P.S. Don't go drinking the water first. Prime the pump with it, and you'll get all the water you can hold. Have faith. Now, most of us in the room, we would have a hard time taking that chance. I mean, if that's the only water that we see, and we're real thirsty, and, and we're in a dry desert, it's going to be hard for us to pass up on that bottle of water to, to prime a pump that we are not guaranteed we're going to get any water out of. I mean, what if that well is dry and, and, and it would just be wasted water then to pour it out? And, and it would take a lot of faith in order for you to, to accomplish that. Faith is one of the most misused words in the Christian movement, in the Christian faith. Even when I say that, the Christian faith, it is a misused word. We speak of our faith as, as a commodity that we just bought down at the local convenience store. We... We, we ask people, do you have faith? Or they ask us, do you have faith? And the answer is yes. And, and then often people will describe their church. I want you to understand something. Your church is not faith. It may strengthen your faith, but your church is not your faith. Or, or we describe this belief in a higher power. And, and I have news for you. There's a lot of people that have a belief in a higher power, but there's very few people that actually operate on faith. But the Bible clearly defines what faith is. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And so the Bible tells us, simply put, that faith is believing even when you can't see it. Faith is knowing that it's there even though it's not tangible at the moment. You can't touch it at the moment, but yet you believe it's going to happen. 
you believe it's going to transpire. And today, I want us, church, to grow in our faith. But in order for us to grow in our faith, we are going to have to visit a conversation that Jesus had with his disciples as he was explaining to them the kingdom of heaven. And it's a lengthy conversation, so we're not going to read all of it. But I do want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 13. And I want us to read verses 31 through 33. Matthew chapter 13, verses 31 through 33. Now, some of you have your Bibles with you. Others, you have your electronic Bible with you. And I don't care how, how that looks. I don't care how you read the Bible. I'm just, I'm just stressing the importance of reading your Bible. Matthew chapter 13 verse 31. Now, after we finish reading this, if you'll leave your Bible open, we're going to turn to another section of Matthew in just a moment, and then we're going to come back and read one of these verses again. So Matthew chapter 13, verse 31. He being Jesus, he put another parable before them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. In our text this morning, Jesus compared the kingdom of heaven to two things. He compares it throughout this chapter to many things, but in our particular text, he compares it to two things. The first one is a mustard seed. We'll get to that in just a moment. But the second thing that he compared it to was leaven. Leaven, a substance as yeast or baking powder that causes fermentation and expansion of dough or batter. I like the second definition that I found. An element that produces an altering or transforming influence. Yeast or leaven is an active and living single cell organism. It's not dead. It's alive. And as you add leaven to the bread, it causes a reaction and releases carbon dioxide bubbles and the bread begins to expand. Yeast kneaded into the dough. It changes the appearance, it changes the form, it changes the characteristics of the dough. The yeast influences everything. Jesus was talking about the gospel. When he said the kingdom of heaven is like leaven, he was talking about the gospel, that when the good news, when this gets into our lives, really into our lives, needed deep inside of us, it will cause a reaction. You will not be the same. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven does not allow you to stay unchanged. It causes you to look different. It causes you to act different. It causes you to think different than you used to think. You will not be the same once you encounter the gospel of Jesus Christ. And there are some of those stories around this room today because I know your stories, and some of you, you used to be that alcoholic. You used to be that adulterer. You used to be that, that person that was mean and hateful. You were promiscuous. You were self-centered. You were an unbeliever. But a little bit of this leaven called the gospel got into your being, and it changed everything about you. There are testimonies throughout this room 
that you're not who you used to be, but thank God you are who you are now. And tomorrow you're even going to be better than you are today because of the leaven that has been kneaded into you through Jesus Christ. Amen. You look different. You act different. You think different. A little bit of the kingdom of heaven in you has the ability to change you. It has the ability to change your home. And it even has the ability to change the future generations that will flow out of your home. Any good baker knows the importance of setting aside a little starter dough for future baking. Now, let me, let me kind of preface this with this. I know nothing about baking, but I read a lot. I cannot bake. I cannot cook. I can cook on a grill, and that is it. My wife will, will testify to this. I'm, I'm horrible in the kitchen. I can't do it. But I read a lot, and so uh, I, I like to think that I'm educated about this and that if push came to shove, I could probably get in there and do something just because of what I've read. And so, so I was reading about this, and, and any good baker knows the importance of setting aside a little starter dough for future baking. Before baking the, uh, the, the prepared dough, you just simply just pinch off a part of it and, and save a little to mix it in with the next batch because the leaven from that will infect the rest of it. Of it. The, the Amish make what they call friendship bread. And, and when they make their bread, they give their friends a sample of the finished product, what has been baked, but they also give them a little bit of starter dough. And then the challenge is use this starter dough to make some bread for some other friends but also give them a little bit more starter dough with it. And it just keeps giving and it just keeps giving. And that's why they call it friendship bread. The yeast in the starter bread, it keeps expanding and growing and touching numerous lives. And, and church, that's what the kingdom of heaven is. It has the ability to not only change you, but, but everyone that you come in contact with, whether it be in your household, on your job, in your school, if you've got it, if you have, have, have the leaven, the gospel of Jesus Christ, if the kingdom of God is in you, then People that come in contact with you will have no choice but to experience a little bit of heaven on earth through your life. But Jesus also said that the kingdom of heaven is like the mustard seed. Ah, the little seed with a big reputation. For the next few minutes, I want to specifically talk with you about mustard seed faith. Now, I'm going to challenge you today because for many of you in the room that you've been around church most of your life, I'm going to mess with your theology bad. For others in the room that, that you're new to the faith and, and maybe, maybe Destiny Community Church is the only church that you've ever attended, you're in a good place. And I love preaching to people like you because you don't have all the sacred cows and you don't have all the legalism and all. And so you are just the perfect crowd today. But for all of us, including me, that we were raised in church, I want you just to take what you think you know about mustard seed faith. And I want you just to set it aside just for a few moments. And let's let God's word speak to us. Now, here's what I promise you. I'm not going to teach you anything today that is not in God's word. I promise you that. But I want to pull something out of here that I don't think most of us have ever seen before. And I want it to challenge us and, and, and maybe just mess up our theology some and cause us to think differently. So that when we walk out of here, we're not the same. 
So turn with me to Matthew 17. Matthew 17, just a few chapters over. Matthew 17, I'm going to read verses 14 through 21. Matthew 17, verses 14 through 21. And when they came to the crowd, a man came up to him and kneeling before him said, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and he suffers terribly. For often he falls into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples, and they could not heal him. And Jesus answered, O oh, faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the boy was healed instantly. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? He said to them, Because of your little faith. For truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. I remember when I was a youth pastor, there was a mom that became upset with me because of the way that I dis disciplined her son one, one week. He was not a regular attender. His mom was a regular attender of our church, but, but this kid, uh, there's really no other way to say it. He was just a thug. He really was. And, and it's not that Jesus didn't love him. Pastor Rocky just didn't love him. And <laughs> no, it's not that we didn't love him. It's just that when he came around, he was always trying to cause problems. And this one particular week, he was playing basketball on our gym floor, and, and, and he, he kept dropping the F-bomb just, just every time somebody would foul him or, or something, and, or somebody would miss a shot. And I looked at him, and I said, we don't talk like that around here, and you know that. Don't use that word again. And, and soon, he, he said it again, and I said, this is your last chance. You're not going to use that kind of language here at this church. There's a park down the street, and if you want to talk like that, you can go down the street, and you can play ball there, but you're not going to do that here. And he tried me, you know, and, and, and he said it again. And, and this time, I grabbed him by the arm, and I escorted him out. Now, things have changed since I was a youth pastor, and I don't think you can necessarily grab them by the arm, but back then, I grabbed a lot of people by the arm. And um, I escorted him out of the building, and I told him, you get in that car, and you leave. And until you are willing to abide by my rules, I will not be accountable for you. I will, I will not submit me or my workers to you. You're gone. You're out of here. But if you ever want to come back and have this conversation and repent for what you've done, then we'll receive you back. But, and, and he cussed at me and he left. And, and his mom came and met with my, my pastor and without me even knowing about it. I didn't even know they were meeting. She never said a word to me. She's a regular attender, uh, attendee of our church. And, and she didn't say a word to me, but she meets with my pastor and, and tells him how basically I need to be fired for the way that I handled her son. Now, thankfully, my pastor, being a wise man, he, he, he looked at her and he said, I'm not going to fire my youth pastor for, for making your son abide by the rules. And he said, if, if my youth pastor says that he's not welcome here until he repents, until he, he makes things right, until he makes restitution, then, then he's not going to come here. And so he stood by me. But man, I'm telling you, it bothered me. It bothered me bad that this woman went behind my back, 
talked with my supervisor, my pastor, my boss. She, she went and talked with him and laid it all out there without ever coming to me. In case you don't know, I'm that straightforward kind of guy. If you've got a problem with me, just come to me. That's all you need. And I live my life that way. If I've got a problem with you, I'll come to you. I'm not going to go tell anybody else. I'll come to you. So it bothered me. This is what the father of the epileptic boy did. When the disciples couldn't heal his son, he went straight to the boss. He said, enough with you guys. You can't get the job done. I'm going to your supervisor. I'm going to your rabbi, to your teacher, and I'm going to have this conversation with him. And, and this father that just, just basically said the disciples can't do this. Jesus, I believe that you can. And so Jesus verbally chastens the disciples, and then he heals the boy. Now, here's where it gets interesting, church. The disciples couldn't leave it alone. You, you ever been taught a lesson by Jesus, but you couldn't leave it alone? You knew that he was speaking something to your spirit, and he's already brought you under correction, but yet you just can't leave it alone. It's like that scab that just keeps itching, and you just keep picking at it, and you just won't live, leave it alone and give it time to heal. And, and the disciples look at Jesus, and, and, and they come to him privately, and they say these words, why could we not cast it out? And listen to this. Listen to how Jesus answered them because here's the key. Because of your little faith. This is about to mess you up. Because mustard seed faith is not exactly what you thought it was. Why could we not cast that out? Why couldn't we heal that kid? Because of your little faith. We often say that faith the size of a mustard seed can move mountains. I've probably even taught that before. But that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said the problem is your little faith. Why could we not cast it out because of your little faith? The problem was that their faith was too small. But what Jesus did say is that if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, like it. It has the characteristics of it. It wasn't the size of the mustard seed that Jesus was emphasizing. He was stressing the character of the mustard seed that he had already explained in Matthew chapter 13. So I want to go back to our original text and read verses 31 through 32. He put another parable before them saying, the kingdom of heaven it's like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. Mustard seeds are small. One of the smallest seeds on earth. I've had these mustard seeds for almost my entire ministry, somewhere around 19 years. They've been in my desk drawer. And if my calculations are correct, I started counting these this morning and, and I just, I'm not gonna lie to you, I dropped a couple on the floor and I just got frustrated and I said, forget that. But if my calculations are correct, <laughs> it's been a long weekend, sorry. Um, there's somewhere between 180 to probably 200 mustard seeds in this container and it's nowhere near full. You could probably put somewhere between 1,400 and 1,600 mustard seeds in this one small container. 
One of the smallest seeds on the planet, the average size of a mustard seed is one to two milliliters, millimeters, about five hundredths of an inch. The average size of a mustard plant is about three to six feet high. Though under certain conditions, it can sometimes grow to be 10 to 15 feet high and just as wide under the right conditions. For its size, the mustard seed grows greater than any other seed producing a good-sized plant. And Jesus did not tell them to have faith as small as a mustard seed. He rebuked his disciples because their faith was too small to heal that child. Obviously, Jesus felt like, like where they were at and, and the time that he had invested in them that they should have more faith by this moment. They had witnessed miracles. They had seen things. They had been a part of some great and mighty acts. And then he tells them that their faith should look like the characteristics of a mustard seed. Mustard seed faith, it starts small, but it doesn't stay small. Romans 12 and 3 tells us that God has given each of us a measure of faith. Every man, every woman, every person that's ever been, we have been given a measure of faith. And, and I think that that's, it's a small measure uh, because I, I just know my own life and I, I know my limitations and I know the way I think sometimes. And we've been given this small measure of faith, but it's not expected to stay small. Because mustard seed faith grows. And like birds landing in a tree, mustard seed faith provides refuge for others that land near you. That's what Jesus said. In Luke chapter 17, verses 5 and 6, he talks about it again. He says, the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. And the Lord said, if you had faith like a grain of mustard seed, you would say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea and it would obey you. Jesus used the mustard seed to, to describe what faith has to look like. That we all start with a little faith, but like starter dough, that little faith under the right circumstances begins to grow. Church, it's like this. It's like teaching a kid to ride a bike. When you teach a kid to ride a bike, here's what happens. You put them on a tricycle to begin with because it's low to the ground, right? And it's, there's not a big chance of it falling over. And so they're not, even if they did fall, it, they don't have very far to fall. And so you start them on this tricycle and then you put them on a bicycle with training wheels, right? And then after they get used to riding that a little bit, then you, you, you turn, you don't, you never take the training wheels off. You just loosen them up and turn them up because you're always afraid you're going to have to go back to them because as parents, we don't have a lot of faith in our kids, right? And so we just turn the training wheels up and, and we give them that chance and we run alongside them going down the street, building their confidence, building their faith in what they can do. And we ride down the street with or run down the street with them until we let them go. I'll never forget when I was teaching Kendall to ride our bicycle. We were in front of our house on Brightside Drive in Tampa, Florida, and, and we, were, we were out on the road. And she says, Daddy, don't let go of me. Don't let go. I'm not going to let go. I'm not going to let go. I, I lied. But, but we're going. We're going, and, and I'm holding him. I'm holding him. And, and, and soon I just let go, and she just keeps pedaling, and, and, and she's, she's good. She's, she's making the turn. Everything's going good until she turns around, and she sees Daddy's not there anymore. And then guess what happens? She, she lost faith in herself, and she fell. 
scraped up her knee. But that's what happens. We gradually get them into this. We just don't throw a kid on a bicycle and say, go at it. No, it starts with a tricycle. Then it moves to a bicycle with training wheels. And then they're on a bicycle. And before you know it, we're teaching them how to drive a car. What are we thinking when we put them behind the wheel of a car? And now they're 18 years old and they're seven and a half hours away from home. And she's driving wherever she wants to go. It's life. We build their faith in every step of the way. And as your faith grows, you gain more confidence in it. And as your faith grows in Jesus, you gain more confidence because of what he's already done. Faith starts small, but faith has to grow. And under the right circumstances, your faith will grow, but, but it doesn't happen, church, in your comfort zone. That's where we want to grow. We want God to grow our faith in our comfort zone, but your faith will never grow in your comfort zone. It happens when you are in situations that you're uncomfortable with. It, it happens when the odds are stacked against you. It, it happens when you feel overwhelmed. Faith, it, it's not the way around the pain. It's the way through the pain. That's what faith is. Faith, it, it grows uh, on a day like today when God's word is being poured into you because Romans 10 and 17 says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. This is how your faith grows. The world says, I'll believe it when I see it. But God's word says, I'll see it when I truly believe it. Faith hears the inaudible, it sees the invisible, it believes the incredible, and it receives the impossible. That's what faith is. And my faith for my life, it is a product of what I've been through. Every trial that I've been through, every temptation that I've been through, every triumph that I've experienced, it is all, it's all pushed me to the faith that I have today in Jesus Christ. I can tell you this, church, I wouldn't believe what I believe today if God, had not brought, if God had not brought me out of where I've been. That's faith. And that's how my faith has grown. From mustard seed faith to faith that is a tree that the birds can land on. It starts small, but faith demands to grow. And if your faith isn't growing, Jesus says that it needs to have the characteristics of that tiny mustard seed that when planted, turns into a great tree. In closing, let me share with you one of the greatest moments that God used in my life to build faith. Most of you know the first part of this story, and so I'm not going to go into all the details of it, but the miracle of, of the twins that we have is a product of God's faithfulness, even through my wife's cancer. That when we were told we would probably never have children, God was still faithful. And without even really trying, I mean, I guess we had to try, but, but without, without, <laughs> y'all come back. You ever, you ever said something, you're like, I hope they didn't get that joke, but you got it. No. Mandy was on birth control, and, and they forgot to tell us that chemotherapy stays in your body for a year, and it counteracts birth control. And that's how Caleb and Kendall came about. They were not supposed to happen. 
you'll probably never have children. That's what they told us because of the areas of radiation. But God did it. He, he gave us twins. And I'll, I'll never forget that moment that we go to the doctor and they do the sonogram. And they told us it's not one, but, but two. Our heart's desire. Names picked out before we were ever married for Caleb Thomas and Kendall Nicole. But I remember that moment when Mandy started having complications in her pregnancy. We were living in Lake City. And we came to the ER at North Florida Regional. And I'll never forget that moment when the dreams came crashing down. Because they said, you're losing one of the twins. God, why did you bring us this far? You've given us our heart's desire. We've already been through so much with her health. Why? And the doctor wanted to do a DNC. He wanted to end the life or what he thought life was already ending. And I asked for some privacy and Mandy and I sit in that ER and I looked at her and I said, I don't believe this is what God has for us. We were just full of emotions. The doctor comes back in for our decision and I looked at him and I said, we want another sonogram. And I'll never forget it, Mandy, how he thought that it was just wasted time. I mean, he actually told us, you're wasting time. We want another sonogram. My faith was growing. Because before cancer, it was the size of a mustard seed. But then through the healing of her body, and then her becoming pregnant, my faith was growing. The doctor very reluctantly went and got a sonogram machine, ultrasound. And both heartbeats were strong. And today those kids are 18 years old, almost 19. Why did I have the faith to have that tough conversation with that doctor? Because what started as mustard seed faith, the measure that he gave to me that he's given to everybody, under the right circumstances, it grows, it increases, it turns into a full-blown tree. And you stare a doctor in the face and you say, I demand another sonogram. It doesn't always work out. I get it. But you can't walk on water until you first step out of the boat. And God's calling us to have faith that grows, to have faith that increases. That little bit of faith that He gives you 
it's much as it begins to grow and open the right doors and close the wrong doors. And it will. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. We pray you have been blessed by today's message. We would love to meet you in person. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org or call the church office at 352-472-3284. Thanks again for listening. Destiny Community Church for Life's Journey.